It's the boys from Homestand Sports, and they're here to bring you Puck Talks Toronto. Your host, Zach Cook, brings you the latest to date news. Ovechkin is so underrated. He's arguably going to go down as one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, not just this generation of all time. Well, Spencer Lucier breaks it down. If you want to go out there and you want to get a huge number one centerman, I wouldn't have gone and spent your top prospect on someone that's a fringe, fringe centerman, right? What a luminescent night for Austin Matthews. Incredible. Four goals. Hey everyone, what's going on? I'm Zach Cook, joined by Haley Ferguson today. I want to do a special shout out to Spencer Lucier. Spence, we hope you're doing well on your recovery. Uh, we Spence had surgery on Monday, and he's uh, going to be back in the booth with us as soon as possible. But we wanted to, to shout him out, and uh, don't hesitate to to add him on Twitter and send him your best wishes. We know we're uh, all a big family with Homestand Sports, and we uh, we care about all the individual members here in the company. Uh, welcome to the show, Haley. Thank you for having me again. Lucky, lucky for uh, for Spencer getting a little little recovery. Yeah, I mean. Uh, He's still watching the streams. He's still doing his thing as uh, as part of the as part of the team. But for right now, uh, he's just got to focus on uh, resting up and uh, getting better. But let's uh, let's start the show with some uh, some Leafs talk. They're struggling a bit right now. It's uh, a little bit concerning. Uh, Austin Matthews though looks to be returning sooner rather than later. So that's obviously a good sign. He practiced with the Leafs on Wednesday for the first time since having that shoulder injury. So that's a step in the right direction for the Leafs. I mean, you can tell that they, they have that glaring hole down the middle of the ice right now without him, and Thomas Bacanitz hasn't exactly been the solution on the third line right now with him out. He's been promoted into the into that kind of a role, but he hasn't exactly fulfilled what they wanted when they, they traded for him from the Montreal Canadiens. Well, here's the thing about Austin Matthews, too, is he did practice, as you said, with the red jersey, meaning no contact. So to me, I wouldn't be that surprised if the Leafs kind of take this injury and, you know, the doctors say... Maybe he's ready to go Saturday and they say, okay, well, maybe let's take another extra game, a little bit of rest and recovery because it is so clear how much they miss Austin Matthews right now that they need him for the rest of the stretch. So if you miss him an extra couple games, well, it doesn't really matter because you, you're going to need this guy in the playoffs. Absolutely. And like we, we've talked about this before, it seems like the, the top three teams in the Atlantic are, are kind of set in stone right now. So you want your top players to get healthy. And with that being said, I kind of want to shift gears into to, into the goalies in the Atlantic Division. We heard Andre Vasilevsky kind of come out last night and say that he's uh, feeling a little bit fatigued. So we'll see if uh, Louis Domingue gets more starts down the stretch in Tampa Bay there. And they start to, to rest Vasilevsky a little bit more. But that kind of brings into into consideration what's going on in Toronto right now with Freddie Anderson. Do you do you maybe rest him a bit more down the stretch now like, like Tampa plans to do with Vasilevsky? I think you need to because it, it almost goes back to, once again, Austin Matthews. Yes, Freddie Anderson has not had the best games of his life the last few few weeks, but he hasn't been the problem in this Leafs. In fact, he's probably made it better than it actually seems right now because he has been able to make a few spectacular saves. So if I'm the Toronto Maple Leafs, I know you don't really want Curtis McElhaney in net. He's not the star. Yes, he's had some great some great spectacular moments, but he doesn't have spectacular games. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I can't believe you were saying. You, you remember the one great save, but you don't remember the other kind of yeah, you don't feel safe in. like you do when Frederick Anderson exactly. that. that's don't... the kind of thing you get with him yes and he and the one thing about Curtis McElhinney too is sometimes he makes these spectacular saves but he kind of forces himself to make these spectacular saves he's caught out of position he's not as fast he has to he has to go above and beyond where Freddie Anderson's just there 
So this might seem kind of egotistical, but we have the I have the live <laughs> stream up right now as we're as we're live, and that kind of is a bit weird maybe because we're we're watching the stream. We have the stream <laughs> up of us, but I'm doing it in the purpose of if there's any questions or anything, we can kind of see those questions pop up and we get a a nice glimpse of what's going on in that regard. But Haley, on a scale of one to ten. With their their play of late, how concerned are you about the Leafs? Because it's it's an important stretch now. The last so ten being concerned, seven, ten being concerned, one being not concerned at all. I'm about an eight. Really high, eh? Yeah, because I'm concerned that this team is so focused on one player. In the sense that you think they're too reliant on Austin Matthews. Yeah, I I, I get what you're saying, but I feel like they're they're built in a in a okay. way that they have the secondary scoring to compete. So without I'm not him. I'm not concerned about the rest of the season. I'm concerned about the playoffs because Austin Matthews has been known to to get like this shoulder injury is not is not new. Yeah, for sure. And and you just see that this team really struggles to even I don't want to say put the effort in, but it's like it's like as soon as Austin Matthews is out, they seem to I don't know the way they seem to almost like feel like oh, it's already done. I get what you mean. And that concerns me a little. And too with Freddie Anderson being so he's going to be tired. If you don't start putting Curtis McElhinney in the net more, he's going to be tired. I think one thing that's also very uh, relevant right now is how much they rely on him in, in the defensive aspect of things because he's he's more than just an offensive centerman, and people need to realize that he has that that 200-foot game that's very important in today's NHL, and he's not just a guy that's going to bring offensive table. He's bringing that defensive shutdown presence as well, and it's not just the, the Nazem Kadri line or the Tyler Bozak line shutting down top teams. He was a big presence in that sense, so I mean, you can kind of see that that's that's coming to play right now. But on the on the back end, I've I've been impressed with uh, with Travis Dermott of late, and he he's kind of left a mark on me all season long. I mean, you can kind of see. I don't I don't know if he's going to hit a wall before the postseason because this is a lot of games for a guy that's playing in his in a season where uh, he's not used to the full schedule because junior hockey is a, l- a little bit different and a little uh, slimmer of a schedule. But I'm really impressed with him. I, I wonder if he's built for that playoff style of hockey though right now. It's kind of been in the back of my mind for a little bit now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He's one of those those bright spots that I don't want to say it makes me hopeful for the future because this team, no matter what, if you've got Austin Matthews, you're hopeful for, this, for the future. But defensively, that has been the huge concern. Coming into this season, everyone was talking about how you needed to trade for a defenseman, but he kind of gives you the hope if you're a Leaf fan that Hey, if if he's just one of the guys that's coming along, you're going to be totally fine. Yeah, no, I, I see where you're going with that. The only really, because if you look at contending teams, they have that number one goalie, they have that number one centerman, they have that number one defenseman. I think the Leafs can actually check off all three of those boxes if you if you look at their full roster. I mean, you got Anderson in that. You have Morgan Riley on the back end that's performed like a number one defenseman this year. He's kind of taken that step this year where a lot of people weren't sure if he'd ever take that step. But he's last year we saw him perform more like a number two or a number three. This year he's been that bona fide number one defenseman that they've they've really been looking for in that role. And then Austin Matthews up front, obviously performing like a number one centerman in the National Hockey League. So they have the pieces, they have that secondary scoring. I mean, a lot of people on on Monday when I did the the live stream before the game, a lot of people were asking me like, is this a team that can compete for the Stanley Cup this year? And I still say yes if if they're healthy, if they can healthy. they can compete for the Stanley Cup, and that would not shock me at all if they made a a Cup Finals appearance. I mean, it's a it's kind of a crapshoot in that Eastern Conference right now. You could you could make a case for any team that's going to make the playoffs that they could make a run to the Stanley Cup final, and that's that's kind of where the NHL is at right now. There's just so much parity and so much uh, 
un- insecurity. Like we see teams like Ottawa and Montreal and Edmonton go from one year uh, deep playoff runs to the next year. They're not even sniffing the postseason. They're actually going to be in the draft lottery. <laughs> so like it's it's such an interesting league in that sense where there's there's all that parity and that that makes it fun to watch in my opinion. I, I like the the fact that there's a ton of parity in the league right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more because too, you know, it's it's kind of set who's going to make make the playoffs as you keep saying. But you don't know what's going to happen because all three teams in the Atlantic right now, they've played spectacular games against each other and anybody's night or it can be anybody's game anyone's night by because of these star players that all three teams have. So let's uh let's shift gears a bit here to the I know you wanted to to talk about the Edmonton Oilers a bit. They had a few things to say in uh, Elliot Friedman's thirty one thoughts yesterday. Uh, what do you what do you want to chat about here? Well, it was kind of interesting because so I went I went to Edmonton this week to see a game. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Got to go with my dad. Kind of one of our bucket list items. How was that? It was incredible. That is a beautiful facility. You know, I'm an Oilers so fan from BC. Yeah, and to get to go there and actually see a home game, there is just so as as crappy as this season has been. There is just so much hope in that city that next year is going to be better. And it's kind of interesting because on Saturday night, so I went to the Monday night game, but I went, but so Saturday night, my dad and I were in Edmonton and we watched the Oilers Rangers game, and on the broadcast, it was uh, David Amber, Cassie Campbell, Pascal, and uh, Doug McLean, and they had CEO Bob Nicholson on. And some of one of his comments was kind of interesting. He says, we have a plan and we're going to get it right. There's going to be some changes, but we're not making those changes until the end of the year. And that we're not making changes just for the sake of making changes. So my question to you, Zach, is it's, do you think that if you're Montreal and Edmonton maybe, do, is cha- are changes the answer? I think they they can be if they're, if they're in the, the right if they're the right changes that need to be made. I mean, you hear I heard a lot of chatter recently that the Oilers might potentially be shopping Oscar Kleffbaum. I mean, that doesn't really make a ton of sense to me in the sense that he's one of their better defensemen. I argue he's their best defenseman, and it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me they'd be shopping him when your team struggles on the defensive side of the puck. So that's a little conflicting to me. But I mean, I of course rumors are just rumors, but. That's been one that kind of stood out for me a bit because I I wouldn't be looking to trade Clefbaum if if that was but on the on the on the front of things like they they were looking for that winger that can play with Connor McDavid I mean they they had him but he's kind of in New Jersey right now <laughs> I don't want to keep hitting that Break nail every time and be talking about that but it's just the way things have gone in at Edmonton in regards to trades I mean you didn't I'm kind of interested because Jordan Eberle has been having a, a good year with the New York Islanders and Taylor Hall is having a, a really good year with the the New Jersey Devils. He's in the, the Hart Trophy conversation. So it's kind of weird to see these players finding that, that new gear in a different uniform. But at the same time, I'm not sure how you acquire that, that new player to, to play with Connor McDavid. I mean, a lot of players can play with him. We've seen Patty Maroon do it. We've seen other players find success with him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Peter Torelli does this offseason. Do you think he's still there this offseason? I think he is. But you know my thing about the Edmonton Oilers are? I don't know who makes decisions. Is it is it Peter Torelli? Is it Bob Nicholson? Is it is it Katz? Is it Wayne Gretzky? Is it Keith Gretzky? Like, And I think, I think that's going to be the major thing coming into this offseason is who's going to make the changes? Because genuinely, I have no idea. Doesn't that kind of... 
bring up the the Carolina Hurricanes, what's going on right now with their situation. I mean, it's not like I'm not trying to change the conversation, but like that's just what we've seen in the past few days with the the whole Ron Francis situation. Their owner wants to to be more involved in those decisions. It's just a little weird in that sense. Well, that's the thing. We'll we'll get to the Carolina in a minute, but do does Edmonton and I'm going to bring it back to Montreal too. Do they even need to make that many changes because as you said, last year, they were both playoff teams. Do they just need to find it within themselves? I can't speak for Edmonton as much as I can for Montreal, but Montreal needs to, to readjust their back end, and they still need that that number one centerman that they've been they've been looking for. If, if I'm Montreal this offseason, I'm if Tavares hits the market, you, yeah, you well. throw you throw every you <laughs> every throw team should be in. You throw that. everything you have at him. I mean, Montreal has that asset of the cap space to try to make that that big push for him. Unlike a lot of teams that would be in the conversation, but. I mean, they have to readjust the defense. They need more speed on on the back end and puck moving abilities. Uh, you can expect. I think it's a safe bet that Carey Price has a bounce bounce back year, and then a, a healthy Shea Weber does wonders for the back end. But they they still need that number one centerman. They still need a few pieces on the back end, and it's just there's there are things that need to be fixed. And hopefully, a a top five draft pick will will help them in that regard. Even if the pick doesn't make a difference in the in the next coming year. See, because that's where I think the Oilers and the Montreal Canadiens differ, is I think the Oilers have the answers within the room. I think there are, there are a lot of answers there in Edmonton, but I still feel like there are missing pieces. Like, you don't just have an off year like this for no reason at all. There's clearly but issues, but they're I, not as drastic I couldn't as they agree are more. They need, they need wingers right now, but the thing is, Cam Talbot is not going to be as bad as he was at the beginning of the season. He was obviously hurt. Adam Larson was significantly better than he was this year. And, I mean... Of course, so sad that his father passed away and he had to leave the team. Totally understandable. But you have to think he's going to play better next year. Oscar Clefbaum is obviously hurt. I just, I see what that team is. Yes, they're missing pieces, but I think they have kind of the pieces within them. And another thing that kind of was interesting, Elliot, I was listening to Elliot Friedman's podcast, and he mentioned like that Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, they want to play together. I could, it's interesting that it's like, it's kind of like what you see in, in Dallas with uh with Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, and Alex Radulov. Yeah. They've seen experiments where they've all played together in certain situations this year, but you've seen other ones where you split them up and you want the the depth to be there all around the lineup. So there's there's I feel like there's cases for both well, sides. Well, that's of the that thing. Argument. If if I'm Peter Shirelli and McClellan, I want those two guys to be playing on different lines because we look at Sidney Crosby and again and Genny Malkin. Why have they won so many cups? They split the offense up, and they, they can. It up. It's and because the, that those are the type of players that make all the players around them better, and they can afford to be split up. So that because they're the difference maker on that line, and they can create the offense single handedly and make those the scoring chances happen. So I, I I see where you're coming from. I I'm on the same page with you. You can't be. I don't think you should be stacking up the the top lines on Edmonton. and I think that Drysaddle and and McDavid can have their own impact by themselves on different lines. Although I do want them together in three on three overtime, like I saw on Monday night. Well, I mean, it was it was Oscar Clefbaum, Leon Draisaitl, and Connor McDavid. I like that's a scary through and through. No, of course I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't want to go. I, honestly, Connor McDavid is probably by far the scariest three on three player in the world right now. I mean, he's right up there with guys like whether it's a a Patrick Kane, John Tavares. Uh, right now, even Matty Barzell is absolutely terrifying on, <laughs> he on three on three hockey. Like I don't want to go near any of these players that have the speed and skill. Whether it's like Taylor Hall and those kind of players, but. It's just three on three is just so damn entertaining. Like I, I can't get enough of it. But then the shootout kind of ruins that for me entirely. I mean, for 
back home growing up watching the BCHL, they've had three on three overtime for years. They did four on four and three on three and three on three always, well, not always, but it almost always seemed to solve something in the BCHL because guys were tired from four and four. Exactly. Four and four is a whole nother ball game. And three on three is just so fun because they get one team gets a great opportunity. Goalie makes a spectacular save, and now you got three guys on the rush basically by themselves on the other end. Exactly. I, basically trading I love scoring chances, and there's just <laughs> there's so much fun in the, in the premise of that. So I, I couldn't agree more in that sense. But let's kind of let's change here, shift gears to the Carolina Hurricanes. I, I find it a little uh, interesting that their their owner wants to have more of a say in the in the hockey decisions. Like, does that does that bother you? I feel like there's a, a time and a place for that, but I, I feel like they shouldn't have the overall outlook of, of what's going on with the organization. I mean, they have to, at the end of the day, the owner has to sign off on whether it's trades, free agents. They have to sign off on those decisions, and they're a part of the process, but they shouldn't be involved in the actual planning of those decisions. It's not. I feel like they should be stay away from that side of the hockey. I'm kind of torn on this because, yes, he's just a quote-unquote random guy, basically who doesn't have a ton of hockey experience. I don't want him making decisions. But at the same time, he doesn't want to be making the day-to-day to, mm-hmm. to decision. He's more focused on he wants more analytics-based. He had a really great story. Uh, once once again, we're going to go back to the ever-so-great Elliot Friedman, who was talking to him. And he said he basically wants to become the Philadelphia Eagles in the sense that the Philadelphia Eagles were so good at convert converting on fourth downs this season that that's because they had a red zone a green zone and a yellow zone so a green zone if it's within this certain uh yardage or whatever you go for it no matter what Mm -hmm. in the red you don't in the yellow it's a very small yellow but that's up to decisions and i think that's the kind of decisions he wanted he wants to be a part of he wants to to, you know the quote-unquote turn this into an analytics team a little bit more so that's the kind of things that Thing, part of me that I think he wants to focus on more not the quote-unquote hockey decision it's interesting because you have you have teams that that went full-blown analytics like the the Phoenix er, Phoenix Coyotes Arizona <laughs> Coyotes rather and then you have teams like as, that did the same thing in Florida and a lot of people were very critical of those decisions but at the end of the day the analytics were the reason that they found guys like Jonathan Marchessault and and yeah. then they they let them go and that's a big reason well, why they and had those two teams issues. too they ne- they never gave analytics a long enough try it didn't work right away so sorry you're out again and we have to now we make We saw Dale Talon get back into in exactly. charge of the hockey ops decision it's just like the old school way of thinking is is gone now. It's not that it's it's gone. It's that it, it's a combination of everything nowadays. You can't just be so closed minded that you're you're just looking at the eye test. You have to be looking at analytics. You have to be looking at things in the room. There's so many factors that you have to consider in that decision making process. And it feels like the that Dale Talon's more of a, a closed minded guy, and he he wants it done his way. And that's the way they've they've made their decisions lately. And it's kind of showing. I mean, they've been red hot <laughs> lately, and they've. They're on a tear, and they're they're looking like they're in playoff contention now. They're what I think they're tied for the final spot in the East Wildcard standings right now. It's a it's a heck of a run considering they were twelve points out at the All Star break. So yeah. you have to give them some credit. But I feel like a lot of the team that was that was put into place was done because of the analytics. Well, and that's not a team that's that scares me in the future. I that's mean, a the, team that's on a roll, 
But are they built for the future so much? I mean, you have Alexander Barkov down the middle. You have nice pieces on the wing, like Jonathan Huberto. I mean, Evgeny Dadanov was a nice but... was a nice pickup this year from the KHL. He's almost been a point per game player, so that's obviously a a good building block for the future. And then on the back end, I don't think it's bad that you have a young Aaron Ekblad. I think he's kind of declined a bit, but he needs to take that that step forward again. And then Roberto Luongo and Nets kind of been putting up career numbers, even though he's played a, <laughs> a limited amount of games this year because of injuries. So he's still got it, but. But they, he's always going to be hurt because of this age. But they also you can have, never rely on. A, I love Roberto Luongo, but you can never rely on him for more than forty games. They also have a ton of prospects though too in the system. Like Henrik Borstrom is from the NCAA. But those are all the analytics. He looks like a heck of a player. Like I wanted, I wanted Montreal to acquire him in a, in a Patriotti deal because I, I heard they were talking and that that was kind of their ask, and it seems that that Florida didn't agree with that. So I, I can understand. So I, I think Ford is going to be actually well set for the future. I mean, not not necessarily Maybe, right now. That's but the th- okay. So that's the thing. Years, in a few years, a, but a really good team. They sh- they're a team that should be good now. Yeah, when you fair. when you think assessment. of the last couple of years, that's what I mean. I don't mean like five, ten years down the road. I mean like next year. I think it's because of the you you go back to the uncertainty at the top, and it just seems like if you don't have stability at the top of your organization, why is the rest going to follow suit? I mean, you can you can see that they ownership wasn't stable there i mean they didn't have a a full-on team that was that was set in place so it was a little confusing from from a fan aspect as if you're looking at that organization there was a a ton of uh, of things that didn't really make a lot of sense and then they go and they shift gears back to dale town it seems that that was just a a step backward instead of the two steps forward that they were trying to take before so that's just that's my two cents on the situation i feel like there could have been a little more clarity for for panthers fans the ones that are out there, I'm sure some of them. <laughs> I'm sure there's. All a, I, I'm willing to bet there is a Panthers fan that listens to this podcast. A singular Panther I, if, fan. If, if, if that's you, shout us out on Twitter. I don't have to say we'll uh, we'll send you something. I, I don't know what we'll send you something. That's just that's what we'll do for you. Um, something. There was also a thing that came out this week, Haley. Uh, the NHLPA uh, released their their annual list about the the players, and you wanna you wanna dig into that a little bit. You have sure. The, you, you want me the, to go? You want me to? What do you think? Should I go through? Should I go through the categories? Actually, no. Before you start, I feel like this is this is overdue. We need to shout out Ryan Getzlaff. <laughs> um, there was a, the a Twitter follower on uh, on the old Twitter.com that that said we don't give Ryan basically said we don't give Ryan Getzlaff enough love. And you know what? He's he is He's exactly totally right. right. <laughs> I don't believe that we've mentioned Ryan Getzlaff in the 16 episodes prior to this. So I mean, we got to shout out one of the best centers in the National Hockey League. Haley and I were discussing before the show whether or not Ryan Getzlaff is still a, a top 10 centerman in the National Hockey League. And uh, it's interesting if you if you look at all those all those centermen. I mean, there's a there's a ton that are, are very good NHL centermen right now, but I don't know if he's still top 10 for me. I mean, he's, he's fringe right now top he 10. Is. Yeah, well, he's, he's on a tear right now. He's on a tear right now. I think four multi-point uh, games in a row. I mean, That's incredible. No, absolutely, and he's one of the sole reasons that Anaheim is where they are in the in the playoff picture right now, and, and has been for years. I mean, Corey Perry's kind of dropped off of late. I mean, he hasn't been the the Corey Perry that a lot of people are expecting. I feel like he's not that that forty goal man anymore. He's kind of declined into the twenty five thirty goal guy, which isn't obviously bad or anything. I mean, yeah. there's no there's nothing wrong with that. And he still plays that agitator role, but Ryan Getzlaff seems to. have single-handedly carried that team i mean that's a very there's a very good back end there too as well and then the goaltending's been decent there too so there's a few things that that make them what they are but you know what shout out ryan Getzlaff. he's uh he's been a staple <laughs> a in that anaheim ducks 
lineup for a very long time. It'll continue to do so. I mean, he's a big part of Canada winning the gold medal. So we always got to we always got to shout out Ryan Getzlaff. So we're, no, we, we always love if, him. No, we, we always love him. If we uh, <laughs> haven't uh, said that enough, but Ryan Getzlaff is a uh, a very cool dude, and I would be honored to ever touch the top of his head because <laughs> the baldness is just it, it's fantastic. And man. also shout out to his CFL playing brother Chris. Right, he was uh, he played for my Riders, and <laughs> he was, he was, uh, he, was uh, he was incredible for them back in the day. So I, I remember exactly what you're talking about. But we're, we're getting a little off topic here, so let's shift back to to the list. Let's go with All that. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the question, and you're going to answer it, and then I'm going to tell you. Wow, I'm going in blind here. Yeah, okay. Who is the league's fastest skater? Oh, it's Connor McDavid. Absolutely. Yeah, 81% of players said so. Who who do you think are some of the other players that were mentioned in the list, in the voting, in the NHLPA player poll of 2017-2018? Well, I don't think they're gonna be. He's gonna be in the list because I'm actually I'm going in blind here. I actually haven't seen the list. I'm being like completely <laughs> honest with you. I genuinely haven't seen this list yet. I saw Habs Twitter complaining about it, but I didn't. I don't really know what was going on with it, so I didn't bother clicking the link. But, anyways, that's a story for another time. Uh, I I would put Matt Barzell on the list right now. He's just incredibly oh. quick. He's not. I I was he gonna say. He's, I think he should be. Um, Chris Kreider. He is in on the list. He. Was last at one point six percent. How many names are there on the list? One, two, three, four, five. So you've already got Connor McDavid and Chris Kreider. You got beginning and end. You don't have to guess, but I just want to. Who That's else what do you I think? Got right now. So runner up to Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid was eighty one percent. Oh wait, Taylor Hall. No, really? not in the yeah. list. Okay. At three point six percent. That is the next highest rating. That's uh, interesting. Grabner. Oh. Grabner, Michael Grabner. That Nick Letty and Dylan Larkin also rounded out the Dylan list. Dylan Larkin is very quick. Uh, Nick Letty, very, very fast on the back end as well. Okay, this was a skaters only. Which goalie is the most difficult to score on? Oh, it's got to be Carey Price. Yeah, 41%. 100%. I don't care about this year. It's, it's 100% Carey Price. <laughs> Jonathan Quick, Pekka Rene, Bobrovsky, and Holtby were also on the list. Vasilevsky not getting any love yet, eh? Still not surprisingly. Like we heard at the the last Puck Talks event before the outdoor game, they were actually discussing with a... Uh, uh, a few members of the panel about Vasilevsky and how he's just a freak right now. He's absolutely, he's one of the, he's the way goaltenders are headed to the National Hockey League. He's big, he's athletic, and he can move around the crease with like any sort of movement. So that's just kind of where the league's heading, and he's kind of uh, the face of that right now. So uh, I think we'll be seeing him on that list in a, in a few years' time now. Okay, so the last skills based question Who's the most difficult player to play against? Sandy Crosby. You are correct. Really? Yeah. Do you agree with that opinion? It's twenty nine percent. I think so. Is there any defenseman on the list? Shea Weber. It's at that's four what I, I I had a I had a sense of that because <laughs> that's what Habs Twitter was complaining about. So, I mean, that's just kind of we can't have nice things anymore. Um, <laughs> Who is the? Okay, so now we're getting into the player opinion. So your opinion might uh not be the same considering you are not an NHL player. But who is the toughest player? You mean I'm player? not an NHL player? In your, okay, in your mind. State. I've had dreams about playing in the hockey. In who is the toughest player in the NHL? Oh, oh, it's that guy. It's um, ah, ah, he's a penguin. He was a penguin. He got traded. It's Matt. It's Ryan Reeves. It's right, 100. It's it Ryan is Ryan Reeves. It's got to be Ryan Reeves. 44.7. He's literally is the most intimidating person I've ever seen in my entire life. I once saw him up close in person. Don't. Oh, do so that. you did do see him? Do not do that. Do not do that. It's terrifying. Okay, who do you think was runner up? Um, I feel like Matt Martin's on that list. He is, but he's last at 2.7 percent. Okay. 
Um, I'm not sure. Milan Lucic, okay, runner-up. That's, that's not surprising. He is terrifying. Man, did well. you see that goal on Monday yeah, of I his? Yeah, I did. I did see that. The whole crowd went crazy. It was crazy because like, we saw Komarov score <laughs> twice on Monday, and then we saw Lucic score. Like, it's a weird and it was a night. it it wasn't just a Greece garbage goal. No, I, that no, I was saw an the goal. Yeah, incredible. Was... Zdeno Chara, oh, Chara also too, on the list. Well, yeah. Who's the most underrated player? And it can, you can also just give your opinion. No, I know. I I just because like I've I've talked about this before. Underrated player. Um, I believe in the intro you say Alexander Ovechkin is the most underrated. Well, player. I think in regards of. Just, I don't think he people realize the kind of impact he's had on the no. entire national. Like, look at his—he's going to end up as like a top two goal scorer of like all time, <laughs> and like that says a lot. You, okay, so we'll get back to this list. Do you think that's because he is Russian? The underrated factor, or the, the... fact that he doesn't get as much "quote unquote" recognition. I think it's because he's never won a cup, and that's the biggest—that's the biggest stepping stone for him—is that he hasn't—he hasn't won in the national hockey league yet, and it's hilariously ironic that russia wins the gold medal this year without him on the team like it's that's just i feel so bad because we know <laughs> that he, we know that that's what he's like driven towards and i'm sure like when that he's like 44 more years old he's gonna play he's gonna play in the olympics somehow and he's that gonna... probably means more to him than the stanley cup but yeah. I, I it comes back to him and melkin are probably the two of the best players this year in, Absolutely. in the league and we're they'll not be back attention. in China though in four years' time. They'll be <laughs> no seriously, like they're gonna go to those games and that's kind of been they'll the plan for a while. So they're gonna they're gonna play in those games. It, it looks like NHL players will be going there, so that's obviously a good sign. But underrated players on the list. Um I feel like he's not underrated in the league, but he's underrated in regards to the media and fans. So I'm not saying Ovechkin for this. I'm gonna say Is Hall on that list? He is not. I'm not I, I it's it's an underrated name. Is he a forward or defenseman? Or a goalie? Forward. Which conference? I'm just gonna tell you he's on the Washington Capitals. Is it Nick Backstrom? It is. That that makes a lot of sense. I've actually <laughs> we talked about Nick Backstrom a few times on this show and he's like he doesn't people don't realize look at his I don't know, look them up, like look at his point totals this year. He's been fantastic and he's one of the best two way centermen in the National Hockey League. It just it goes to show you that people don't exactly realize what he's doing there and the impact that he's having so it's it's funny that that you say that because i said ovechkin it's actually his teammate <laughs> nick backstrom in the mix there as well so Jaden swartz also on the list runner up that that's interesting that's the he's runner up. though i kind of i kind of can see that kutrov barkov and ryan o'reilly barkov was a good answer i like that i like the answer a lot which player is the best role model <laughs> that's a that's something that i have no evidence towards so that's <laughs> i mean that's just me talking out of my okay, but, ass okay um who who does the media love to talk about what a great leader he is this one should be easy crosby it is yeah that's I mean, <laughs> kind of interesting look at the list Sidney crosby jonathan taves i should have said patrice taves. bergeron shea weber patrick marlowe a lot of those make sense. I mean, Mario is an interesting one, but I mean, he's been a he's been a big leader for the Leafs this year. He did a really good job in San Jose with the Sharks in the past, so that's not a it's not shocking. It's interesting though that he's he's still getting that recognition, which is a which is a good thing though. Okay, so this question is a genuinely curious question for me. Which player would you select to start a franchise? Connor McDavid. It's not even it's not even a question <laughs> for me. I mean, if we're taking into consideration all things, Connor McDavid would be one of them. I'd probably consider eric carlson 
I would also, also consider still still Sidney Crosby is still S- there. Second on the um, list. <laughs> other players, uh, Patrick Kane. Not on the list. I would I would consider him in my. But you know what's kind of interesting? Jonathan Taves on the list. He's not on my list. Uh, he's declining. I'm not. I want to be. I want to be the guy that has a hot take, but he's declining, and that's just. <laughs> I don't think that's might, that much of a hot take it's anymore. Not anymore. No, I agree. And but you have to you have to look at uh, what he's done and all that all that postseason experience is kind of putting the drag on the Hawks this year. They've kind of have a, a down year. They're going to be likely a, a top ten pick and in the draft lottery for the first time in forever. So okay, my question to you: Not next season, but the season after. Is Jonathan Taves still a Chicago Blackhawk? Because I think he'll definitely get one more year. This is just a quote-unquote off. I got to stop saying quote-unquote. I've never said that so many times in my life. But this is just an off year for them. I think they'll give him another shot. But the year after, is he still a Chicago Blackhawk? I I think it really depends on how next year goes. If he has a bounce-back campaign, I, I, I feel like Stan Bowman's really good at optimizing value of the players. So I could see him... I could see him if he actually has. There's two ways you can look at this. He has a good year and he stays. He has a good year and he gets traded because his value is kind of higher yeah. than than what a lot of people would would see it as. So you could see him being traded, or he has a he has another down year and he kind of loses a little more value and they're kind of stuck with him. I mean, some teams still going to take a chance on him. He's Jonathan well, Tate, okay. but I'm not. I I, I think there's a seventy percent chance he's still in Chicago. Think of what the Rangers got for Rick Nash, and that was yes. You have to think that was kind of based off history and based off reputation. Absolutely. Think about what Jonathan Taves can get you. Oh, I, the intangibles. He's Mister Intangibles, so I can't even. <laughs> I can't even imagine. That's a that's a good point. Okay, let's decide the next one. You had a good point though. A little like about. 45 seconds ago you were saying like you've said that so many times this show like every episode that i There's listen something. to again i have one phrase that i say like at least 15 times and it's it's never think... the same phrase each episode i just do it like in this one it's in the sense or whatever i've been saying that like 15 times so whatever it happens and i don't think i've ever said quote unquote that many i don't times. i haven't i've known you for a while and i don't think i've ever heard you say that so i mean it's just it's the camera man it does it to you i guess okay this one's kind of interesting because this is not player, this is not like player focused. This is an opinion from the players, and we can move on to the next topic. Do you like the way the points are currently awarded for a win or a loss in the regular season? No, I think it should be three points for a win, two for an overtime, three points for a regulation win, two for an overtime win, and overtime or shootout win, and then. Uh, no points for a a loss in that sense. I don't I I don't like loser points at all. I think it's just ridiculous because it, it makes that's what's causing a lot of the parody is the fact that losers are getting points when they don't necessarily deserve them. I mean that's that's a big issue in my opinion. So I would I would I think the format needs to be looked at. I think I can't remember who it was. I think it was Gord Miller a few days ago had a had an interesting tweet about it. What he would do with the the system and I would yeah, I would go check have, that I mean, out. Yeah. I would go check that out. I'm gonna do what, that. Keep talking. <laughs> um. But, I mean, okay, kind of interesting, though. 77.7% of players said they like the system right now. That's that's interesting because I, you get the sense that they really like that three-on-three overtime and they like the the way points are, are aligned at the moment because it, it keeps you in it and you don't have to, like, put all your marbles in, like, one month to start the season. You can kind of, whether it's take your time and, and just keep up with the stand, you don't need to, like, get off to that necessarily nine and zero start like a lot of teams have done in the past and to make the postseason. So I, I, 
I get where the players are coming from in that sense, but I just feel like there needs to be a little bit of a change. Well, so I looked at the tweet, and I think we should talk about his points because okay. they're very good. The first one is, so the tweet is, three changes I would like to see in the NHL. Three points for a regulation win. Okay. Two, if a player re-signs with his team after five years, only 50% toward, counts towards the cap. I like that. I think that's interesting. I remember reading that, and I think that that would add a lot of incentive to stay with your team it would make you that's that would be huge and that would i think that would would help even the nhl just create more stars absolutely 100 percent um and start and, and te- I mean. like teams like each each team would have a, a star finally whereas there's a lot of teams that do not have mm-hmm. like their one guy you're telling me <laughs> If a team has had the first overall pick in the previous three years, the lottery odds are reduced by 50. Sucks for Edmonton fans. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't like yeah, that one. <laughs> I was going to say, you probably don't like that one. But no, I I, I I like that. I don't know if three years, though, is the right way to... I, I think it's just the year. It should just be Yeah, the year I think before. the year after that was one that you would, would do that with. But with that being said, I think he, he raises a lot of good points. And I'd be interested to see, like expanded thoughts on on why he thinks that so maybe one day we'll have Gord Miller on the podcast but I mean, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get my hopes up but we'll see what we can we can do for the shout out to Ryan Getzlaff shout out to Gord Miller yeah just I shout love, out I Gero love I love elite broadcasters I mean why not right <laughs> we love Gord Miller Ray Ferraro just does fantastic work I mean I, I feel like we're getting carried away here but yeah the, a lot of broadcasters of do do good work the two of them together are incredible what a team Name a more dynamic duo. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. Do you want you want one more? Sure. Okay. I'm trying to decide the best one. Because like it's it's interesting that you you consider all of the all of the opinions of the players because a lot of people are are so keen on the analytics behind the game right now, but the players just see what they see on the ice. I mean, of course they're they're prudent to the information that goes into into what's being okay. in, being made with the their decisions on the on the on these factors, but it, it's interesting to see that like a guy like Shea Weber has so much respect in the game, where a lot of fans they they kind of discredit him because he might not have the the best analytics per se. But we realize that the the players find him very very tough to play against. So it's just it, it brings up a lot of factors in in that sense that that make it it interesting for the fans to get that perspective that we're not always in, entitled to. And this. This one is super interesting. So I, I changed the page, and I think we're, we've are we hit the jackpot a bit here. Which oh, really? coach would you like to play for the most? Oh, it bothers me that Mike Babcock's going to be on that list. He is, but he's not first. It's got to be Joel Quenville. It is. Is it? Yeah, if I figured. I mean, he's he seems to be that, that coach that just would, he would go to war with his players, and I, I can I can respect that. But a lot of people in Chicago are, are saying, like, do we need a new voice right now after this year? And, I mean— I find it so hard when you have a an elite coach. He's a top five coach in the National Hockey League, no questions asked. So I, I don't think you you go in a different direction, but the question's always going to be raised when you have a, a down season, especially when you've been a powerhouse for the last six or seven years, that maybe you need a change at the top, and it starts with the coaching staff. But if I'm Chicago, I'm not. Where where the decisions are being made, I'm not moving <laughs> away from okay, Joel because Quindle. Okay, let's just hypothetically... Joel gets fired. And I like to call him Joel for some reason. Are you uh, talking about another man's job? <laughs> no, but I want to know. No, I I didn't put it's any. It's a barstool joke. It's fine. <laughs> where 
I'm just going to keep calling him Joel because for some reason the name is funny to me. Where does Joel end up next? That's a very, very interesting <laughs> question. I don't even I don't even have anything prepped on that. That's where a... would you love to see Joel? Where would I love to see him? He needs a big market, I feel like. I feel like he's the kind of coach that needs a needs a market where where he can shine. And I, I don't know where I... You know where I want to see him? Give me an answer. You could... Tell me I'm totally crazy. That's 100%. Okay. I will. Don't worry. You know I will. And <laughs> I and I think it's because of the rivalry between them and Chicago. I want to see him as a Canucks head coach. That would be something. I could see it, though. I mean, it's, it's that, a tough that team market is, to play in. And it's a tough market, and that team is lacking any kind of stability, any kind of culture, I think. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I don't think the... And I think he comes in and... It can change, especially when you've got so many young, talented players right now. Well, Elias Pettersson just set like the record in the SHL yesterday for for player uh, for points in a, in a year by someone I believe it was under twenty, and that's just absolute insanity. That kid's going to be a, a player for that team for years to come, and they already have Brock Besser and, and Bo Horvat, so offensively they're they're looking good. I don't think Ole Ulevi's necessarily turned out to be the player they wanted yet, but he's still young. Defensemen take a little longer to develop, so we'll see if that makes a difference or not but i think they're going to be looking at a defenseman this draft that's just my opinion so you never gave me my do you agree with i have my no answer? i have no answer for that <laughs> i i don't i don't know what market he would he would actually fit in with because it's you're just, just you're chicago. used to you exactly you're used to him you picture him and you picture chicago where they kind of go hand in hand with each other so i don't really have a team where i can i don't know why like a team that popped into my mind was pittsburgh but I, I think they're pretty set with their, their coach set, there and Mike Sullivan. So what, Joel and Sydney, what a dynamic! Stop. Group. He goes from freaking <laughs> Jonathan Taze's number one center to Sydney Crosby. Like that would that always happens to the elite coaches. Like like Babcock goes from like Datsuk to Austin Matthews. Like that's just not fair. I mean, give Montreal a number one center. So this one's kind of interesting. Speaking of Sidney Crosby, mm-hmm. which current player would make a great coach once they retire? And Sidney Crosby won the vote. Interesting, but I feel like he just does so many things right on and off the ice that he he gets it, and that's part of the whole. He has the respect of his peers, and he also has the understanding of of what it takes to be successful in the National Hockey League. So I I, I understand that. Who else is on that list? I'm not. I haven't really. It, it is, uh, Stepan. Interesting. Jason Spezza. Really, I met him once. Did you? Fun Tell story me more about that. Uh, at a. I don't know. Aurora Tigers Junior A hockey game. His brother I was a. Told this I have story. told you this story. His brother <laughs> was podcast. a goalie for the Lindsay Muskies, and I'm sitting in our usual spot. We had seasons tickets, and we always sat in the same area. And about five rows back, there's it's a playoff game. The Tigers were a dynasty back in the day, and he's about five rows back. My dad turns around and he's like, "Zach, is that a is that Jason Spezza?" And I was like, "Yes." So I got him to sign my Aurora Tigers jersey, and that was a very, very cool scenario. But funny story about that jersey. So I got a jersey for Christmas one year, <laughs> and the player got traded on Boxing Day. No. I swear to God <laughs> that actually happened. It was the most Zach situation, and I, I can't even make that up. I wish I was making that up. But back to Spezza, his brother was the goalie for the, the Lindsay Muskies, and uh, he got shelled for nine goals that game. <laughs> so not the best showing in front not of his uh, brother. brother to come uh, but he was, a, he was a cool dude, so. Matt Cullen and Jonathan Taves. Matt Cullen doesn't out the surprise list. me. He seems to have that that veteran respect around the National Hockey League, so I I get where that's coming from. And if you're wondering, Wes McCauley is the player Not, favorite. Oh, 100. <laughs> that guy is just the most enthusiastic official I've ever seen. I love every second of it. So okay, la- last kind of uh, area 
because I think this one's kind of interesting. Which is your favorite rink to play in? Bell Center won 24.8%. Well, that's not surprising. I feel like that's... I feel like they have, like, the best ice, too. Is that is That, that is. A, they won is the best ice, like, too. Just, I always, like... I was, I'm always, like, a big guy that, like, looks at the ice when, I'm, like, I'm in an arena. And, like, they seem to have really nice ice. And I feel like... Let me guess. The two of the worst ones are the Islanders and the Panthers. Uh, Panthers, yes. Islanders did make the list, but okay. Arizona before. Okay, that makes some sense there. So I, I, I get where they're coming from in that sense. Uh, um, also on the best ice, Rogers Place, uh, Bell MTS Place. Not surprised that they're Canadian Energy markets. Center and Saddledome. Kind of fitting. They're all cold. Yeah, right. I mean, that makes a lot of, that makes <laughs> an ice. entire amount of sense. They're all warm. Uh, Bell Se- or uh, BB&T Center for the worst. That's just uh, some Arizona, of those ices, like New you, York, California. <laughs> you hear the North players Carolina. like coming out of the game, and they're like, "Yeah, there was bounces everywhere, and like you, it's so tough to play on the, on those kind of ice." I can only imagine that the struggles of this different bounces and understanding the the. I don't I, I don't think a lot of people understand like the boards are different in each arena. Like the oh, the bounces totally. that they take. Like there's a spot in Montreal where you hit the backboard, it just d- deflects right in front of the net for no reason at all. So like it just it's 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 different in every rink in in the league, and that's something that. That players, that's that's a big part of the warm-up, just understanding the rink you're in and just figuring out the the different bounces that you can uh, you can look at. Uh, what else do we have for you today? I mean, it's been a pretty long episode, but is there anything well, else that we didn't? One last, uh... one last one. Which team, excluding your own, has the best fans, according to the NHLPA? Not the Leafs. Uh, they're on the list. Are you are you kidding? <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'd say probably if we're looking with recency bias, probably the Blackhawks. You are correct. It is the Blackhawks. I hate that though because for their new ownership, like they wouldn't, they had no fans at all, and they <laughs> basically were just this team that might have been moved if it wasn't for the fact that they changed owners and they changed the, they got a new TV deal and all that stuff. So that kind of shifted the direction of that franchise, and I feel like they wouldn't be in that case if they didn't get that new ownership. But, um. Hey, it's I feel like Montreal is on that list too. Montreal so. is third on the list. Second, maybe Nashville. You are correct. Really, I, I don't know why. I'm just like I'm throwing out teams that like, have good <laughs> markets and like that. I feel like that makes so a lot of sense. It goes Chicago, Nashville, Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg. I like that Winnipeg's being. Thrown I love in that. that I would Winnipeg never, I would got never the play list. there. It's freezing, but <laughs> that's beside the point. Uh, yeah, I mean, anything else we have on this episode? Uh, we have a show coming up, a surprise show on the 29th oh. of March. I got one fill in the blank for you. Okay, yeah, go for it. Let me finish advertising first. Okay. We got a show on the 29th. Uh, Chris Johnson is going to be the headliner for that. Uh, I don't want to say this ahead of time because it might not happen, but it looks like we're doing a live podcast with him on that show. So that should be interesting. Come out, support us, uh, get to meet us. It'll be a, a good night full of drinks at Rivoli. I've been pronouncing that wrong the entire time. <laughs> I, I've been getting some shit for that. So Sounds right. I'm just going to – it's not like the pasta. That it's, it's not Rivoli. It's – Rivoli. So I'm just kind of just going to say it like that and give them some advertisement on this episode because they do have really, really good food. I mean, that's just an understatement of the year. And they have good beer too. So, I mean, Spence can't have it, but I mean, the rest of us can enjoy that. So, okay. My fill in the blank to, to round this out the Eric Carlson photo day oh, was more man. awkward than. Oh, that's a. <laughs> I have, there were so many funny, like, tweets about that like i was dying like i i think i favored about five of them like there were so many <laughs> different reactions like i just i i was more awkward than oh it's hmm 
I, I want to say at the Olympics when that skier just went up and down the half pipe, just like in one, <laughs> the like, one, like one centimeter off hungry. the ground. <laughs> just like, and that's honestly, it was such a power move because like to know that you can get into the Olympic games from just like showing up at these events and finishing in the top 30 and just she went to it was, events it was, too that didn't have that's 30 what i mean people. that's what i'm saying like to know that you have that smart and there was obviously going to be events where players got disqualified so she's just doing that the entire time you want to like, know what's even better it, with that story that's not the first sport she tried that intense. with I mean, I she tried it with that. luge first <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't do luge if you paid me luge actually terrifies me it's one of my like things i just i don't want to do ever because i it looks so dangerous i just like i'm all for the thrill but like i'm just terrified of luge that's just <laughs> a funny fact about me i mean you probably i think it's a fact that a lot of people agree on I, that's just one thing i guess we we had to, to mention to you i mean we're about to shut this down so if any of the people watching have any uh comments questions before would we, you lose before we go would you lose <laughs> would you try out for the olympics which nhl try to find player a... would be the best loser? oh that's actually a... there's we actually have to answer this before we leave and no, you didn't uh... yeah i don't know um <laughs> i want the people's opinion <laughs> tyler ennis <laughs> There is no logic behind that. He's lot. small. I don't know why that factors in aerodynamics. He's just gonna, he's gonna be a good loser. That's all I have for you on that. I want to see a Vander Kane luge. Speaking of a Vander Kane, <laughs> even Red Hot's enjoying the Sharks. Like he looks really good in that in that uniform. So that's uh that's something to to keep in mind as well. I mean that seems to be right now the the, the uh, pickup pick edition of the. Uh, well, we know the last episode where we had the the picture of him being picked up and hugged that took me so long to screenshot but well, it was i can imagine so it, it. it was so worth it 100 <laughs> percent. so that's always a a good thing but no one else has any uh comments on the live stream i mean i i feel like our viewers need to get a little more engaged like the, the viewership keeps going up on this episode and like no one's saying anything so like <laughs> say something to us we'll comment on it i mean i don't want to be rude but like just if anyone has any comments uh we'll We'll be happy to answer your question, unless we're just being hate-watched by the 12 viewers right now, which is completely a possibility. <laughs> I hate-watch all the time, so I wouldn't be offended if, if that we, was we the need case. To end this. It's, it, I mean, yeah, 100%. We need to end this. So uh, with that being said, Haley, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming thanks on for, for this episode. <laughs> I'm sure you'll, you'll, have more, you'll have more turns behind the mic in the future, but uh, we wish Spencer Lucier the best in his recovery from home. And right now, for Haley, Haley Ferguson, I'm Zach Cook, and we're out. Make sure you follow at Puck Talks Live. And don't forget about the boys at Zach Cook CSM and Spenny Lou CSM. Come out to Rivoli on March 29th and enjoy a night with good food and drinks, plus some great hockey talk. Chris Johnson is your headliner.